It's a good show. I'm Ford Pierre, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select with the help of our friend Synchronicity. And now it's time for Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake. The Radio 8 Ball Show. Got it. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, here at Blue Light Studios in Vancouver, British Columbia, on April 26th, 2018. And our musical guest providing the oracle fodder for today's musical divinations is Jeff Berner. Hi. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Jeff. Thank you. Oh, there's going to be... There's a lot I want to talk with you about. Yep. But before we get into it, let's just uh, tell people the uh, the oracle fodder we're going to be working with. We have eight songs on the board. Would you mind just playing any old little something that I can read these yeah. song titles over? Song number one, Traveler's Curse. Song number two, Rule of the Road. Song number three, Daloy Polizai. Song number four, We Are Going to Bremen to Be Musicians. Song number five, Swing a Chicken Three Times Over Your Head. Song number six, Survivalists. Song number seven, Maginot Line. And song number eight, Billionaires. That will be the oracle fodder for our musical divinations today. And we're going to be joined by several ghosts from your past, Jeff Berner. Ooh. Interesting. Ghosts, but I, actually, that's just, I'm, I just, that's just the way I pronounce guests. Ah, oh, it's just like a, a, a Washington regional accent. Yeah. yeah, when people say, uh, we're going to have some ghosts over, yeah. you know. In, in Olympia, everyone knows what that means. Yeah, it means that we're have some we're, people are going to have some nice guests. Ah, so, and we are going to have some exciting guests, and you'll get to see them as you get to meet them as they appear. The zeitgeists. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you have our our guest list in your head? Can you tell us who we're going to be meeting? I don't know who all is coming. I think we have. Let's see. We have. We're going to have Briga. Great. Who's Briga? Briga plays violin. What's her last name? With, well, her, her her name in real life is Brigitte Deicher, but her performance name is Briga, and she was recently nominated for a Juno, which is a, like a Canadian Grammy. And uh, I believe that she'll be phoning us from her artistic residency in the town of Dachau. 
Germany. Ah. And then we're going to have Paul Rigby and uh, Giselle Weber. Yep. Ben Kaplan. Mm -hmm. Richard Inman. Great. And longtime friend of the show, Veda Hilly. That was nice of her to agree to do that. Yeah, she's she's nice that way. And uh, oh, and you have a question. Your your question is going to be the last question of the show. And once we've gone through all eight songs, there'll be one song left on the board, and that will be the answer to your question that you wrote down. And here it is. There are some paper fetishists who tune into the show regularly just for this moment. That's getting people off right now. Yeah, great. Got me off a little bit, just a, just a little bit. Yep. Okay. Now that we've got that out of the way, it's time for my question. Okay. And today is so synky, so synchronicity filled. Yeah. So first of all, last night I went to see a show at the Cobalt. I got to, I went to see Ford Pierre, who was our guest on the last episode, and Brilliant. his Vengeance Trio, and they were playing after an act that I guess is like an offshoot of a project that this guy Stephen Lyons has and your friend Paul Rigby played uh, pedal steel in it and it was it was just this weird synchronicity that we had just talked about having him on the show and then I went to see the show and he was there playing and you didn't know that I was going to that show or that he was going to be playing there no and he also knows someone who was a guest on our last show with Ford Sheldon Gomberg who is at this moment or currently mixing some tracks for a record that I worked on with Ford back in 2001, 2002. Whoa. Like before I sort of walked off into the wilderness and haven't been back to, really been back to Vancouver or, or that project in any way. And right now he's mixing a track called Cartesian Shack, which was one of the tracks, one of the songs that we worked on that one. in this project that we had called Smarty Pants. And that particularly, that song, I don't know if I wrote it for that project, but I remember that there's a certain way I'd sing a line in it that I always think of it as my Jeff Burner line. I remember you saying that when we were working <laughs> on it. It's, it's like... Uh, Slumped here at the bar. I could have been your fucking Fuhrer, but I'm the stupor sar. And uh, of my country. But anyway, you'll hear it when, someday, maybe. But I was waking up this morning and listening, you know, when you're mixing something, especially if you're not in the studio, you're just listening so close, so close, so close. And then I realized, wait a second. This is the first time I'm going to be hanging out with Jeff Burner. Since then. Since then. And today is the day that that little bit is being finally, you know, locked into existence for people to hear, which is just a crazy, crazy synchronicity. Yes, and you saw Rigby without knowing who he was and remarked on his brilliance. Oh, yeah. He without knowing that <laughs> I had just told you to talk to him. Right, yeah. He just blew, he blew me away. He, uh, and, it was, and then talking with him after the show was a lot of fun. And... So when I was uh, when I did the episode with Ford, my question was about what would my life have been like if instead of going back to the States after finishing that record and then just le abandoning it for 16 years or whatever, if I had moved to Vancouver and had a life here and a, a second life, a, an alternate life, you know, and actually right now. I'm so focused on this, I don't remember what the answer was. We, I haven't edited it. We did it, and 
I always forget the shows until I edit them again, so I'm sort of in limbo with that one. Whoa. The, my, the process of these is not like a one-day process. We record them, and then they sit for a little bit, and then I edit them, and then they come out. And when they finally come out, then I'm done with them. So, uh, so And I guess that's part of this, this thing is, and I think you'll appreciate this, Jeff. I... Uh, in that since we were last hanging out, the world has humbled me, which is not to say that I am any more humble than I was. It's just that I, you know, I've taken some beatings. Taken some shots. Yeah. And, and learned to, I guess I've learned to just take them rather than go nuts when those thing ha- things happen. So I've been humbled in a sense, but I am no more humble about my work. In fact, I was, I've been thinking about it because Sheldon, who's mixing it, has been saying, you know, this is this, you know, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm trying to pat Ford Pierre, who produced it on the back. And I, I wrote some, some I, the best songs I could write, but I could never have made that record without him. His, the, the record to me is his amazing arrangements and the amazing people from Vancouver, whether it's Veda Hilly or Keith Rose or Barry Morochnik or Peggy Lee or Ford or Frazee Ford or all these people, Samantha Part, all these people, Samantha Part and all these people who sang on and performed on this record and it's, and they're amazing. And they're so, all still playing. They all right. still have full, full blown action going. <laughs> so, uh, so, and Sheldon was saying, I know, how does it you know, I don't understand how you could make a record that, that that sounds this good and then not and then just not do anything with it. And I've been thinking about that because I didn't have a really good answer, and I sort of hit upon it this morning. Is that that's just how arrogant I am? Actually, I am so like there's something in me that is so. Uh, I don't know, confident in its value that I feel like if I do it and it's good, it will find its way. And the all of the things that people do to get their stuff out there is, I, you know, I did that for many years and I, I think I was, I, I thought I was pretty good at it, but I obviously wasn't because most people haven't ever heard what, I, what I've done. But I think that also that's driven by this really weird arrogance of like I'm so good that I'm going to hide it I'm not going to show it to you and I'm playing to the cheap seats a hundred years from now right? and I'm not really like and I, I only can say this to you Jeff because and your listeners uh, but I'm they, they know that I'm arrogant you know I hope they're counting on me to be arrogant to a certain degree because we talked about it in earlier episodes this is my gig is to be the guy who comes into a room and starts talking when he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Just a pure, pure fool action. So there has got to be a certain amount of arrogance that drives that behavior. But what I wanted, the reason I can say this to you is that, and this is the way I always remember you, Jeff, is that you, you're just one of the few people I know who is really, really smart about everything but particularly smart about me and my music whenever i've talked with you like i don't really care if someone likes or doesn't like my music but when i talk with some or any piece of art radio eight ball anything but when i talk with someone who is insightful about it in a way that makes me feel like oh yeah not only does he get it but he helps but hearing that makes me understand 
it more for me. And I just there are these little moments in my life talking with you about music where you said something insightful about what I did that made me realize, oh, you were really listening and you really, you know, were thoughtful about it. And if everyone and if the whole world was made up of Jeff Burners, I would want them as an audience. <laughs> well, I do care about songs and I, and I do listen. And, and uh, I, I, you know, when we were hustling together, you know, yeah. we... I, I felt like we were, you know, doing the same deal. We were shooting yeah. for the same, trying to make catchy songs that had some kind of literate quality to them yeah. so that you could have a good time with them and not feel like somebody was insulting your intelligence. Exactly. And and this goes back to the, that alternate life. It's like maybe if I had stayed in Canada, there's like going to that show last night, there was so much smart music happening in that room. Yep. <laughs> More smart music than I'm used to. So no offense to, to my American friends, but I probably do mean it is an offense. <laughs> it's an offense that we're not, a, that that we aren't able to, uh, actually the musicians that I work with are very smart, but that we aren't able to cultivate an audience that wants to hear that so much down in the States. Whereas up here, I saw a club full of people who were, who were hanging through Ford's Vengeance Trio, and it, it's not... I don't want to say it, it's not easy music, but that's good. It's like, I like that it's great and that it's challenging and it's got ideas in it. And then I can't sometimes I'm trying to figure out the dance of intention of like, how much is he taking the piss and how much is he cutting to the quick? At any rate, I have to get to my question because we, you know, we, this is, this is what this is about. Let's hear the question. So I guess what, so going back to that sense of, the arrogance of obscurity. What I want to know is is that a quality that I should be uh, is that a quality that, that serves me? I guess yeah. Is that a quality that serves me and is it something that I should appreciate and even cultivate more or is it something that is a sign of some sort of neuroses that maybe I should work at uh, curbing. So now, to engage the Pop Oracle, I'm going to spin the wheel. This could go a lot of ways. Yeah, okay, well, yes. Well, okay, let's see what we get. So now, to engage the Pop Oracle, I'm going to spin the wheel of eight. Whoa. Na, 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 wheel of eight. Song number one. One. Traveler's Curse. Okay. Should I start it now? You do it. Okay. I have been libeled as a wanderer. This is not the case. I have a home. It's just that it's an inconvenient place right now. None is too many of that kind. I overhear you say You make some markings on the page And stamp and seal my fate I regret now to inform you Who refused to aid my plight Bad luck will come to those Who deny the travelers their right 
All of my pity upon you. All of my pity upon you. My luck can only get better. Yours is bound to be worse. Now I see it upon you, the traveler's curse. Who can deny your moral right to prosperity and order? You fell out of your mother on the correct side of the border. And your mother fog gives you all of this and power over me today. But there are forces in this world that can make all that fall away in a second. All of my pity upon you. All of my pity upon you. My luck can only get better. Yours is bound to be worse. Now I see it upon you, the traveler's curse. Don't be misled and think this curse is mine to make or lift. You put it on yourself. It's not my place to bend and sift your conscience or your character. Your luck, it's all your own. Good luck with that. I leave you now, but you'll never be alone with all of my pity upon you. All of my pity upon you. My luck can only get better. Yours is bound to be worse. Now I see it upon you, the traveler's curse. Oh, yeah. The Traveler's Curse from Jeff Berner. The answer to my question is the uh, the arrogance of obscurity a, a value to me or something I need to curb. Hmm. I, have, I have a lot of ideas about that, but before I get into them, Jeff, you want to tell us a little bit about the background of that song? Uh, my idea for that song was that... It- I wanted to convince people to treat traveling people and refugees nicer. And my thought was that since appealing to their rational sense or their sense of humanity clearly was not uh, effective, that maybe if I could convince people through their superstition, that might be better. Uh, It hasn't worked yet. But uh, they don't know. You don't know that we had uh, on the last show, we had Sarah Wheeler on and she asked a great question about the butterfly effect of being an artist. And like, you don't really know what the effect you have is. So I was hoping to fix the whole world, though. So Ah, and it didn't that didn't work. So but Ben Kaplan is covering this song in a play that's been touring around. It went on off Broadway in New York. It's coming to Edmonton next month. It's doing Toronto. It's called. Old Stock, a refugee love story, and he's playing it. So maybe this will be the the version. It's coming out on his new record called Old Stock in June. I think this will be the version that actually convinces people and will fix everything. Okay. Well, uh, I hope so. I certainly hope so. Pretty sure. Um, As far as the answer to my question, I couldn't help but think of – the artist as being a kind of 
a kind of refugee. Uh, there were two things that, that came up. First of all, there, there was the sort of like, uh, I don't know, white American male shame of like, you know, worrying about my problems when you're, this is obviously about people who are, whose situation is a lot dicier. And at the same time, there's a way that I felt like I thought, oh, I think that's also part of what drives it. I feel like I'm aware that the last thing the world needs is another record or book or film or project from a guy who looks like me. And yet at the same time, I'm, I, I have to, I, I can't help but be have the desire to express it and want to put it, you know, I'm an artist and I want to express all that. But I also, as a human being, kind of want to put myself at the back of the line of like, I, of voices that ne- that necessarily need to be heard, which is a, I, that can that itself can create an interesting cognitive dissonance that might create that that arrogance of obscurity feeling. But then to put that all aside, then just to think about that, yeah, at the same time, I do sort of walk through life feeling like I am a, a traveler or a refugee from, like I said, if the world was made up of audiences like that were all Jeff Burners, then I would have, I'd find my place where, uh, the, oh, and maybe that's, some, maybe that's Vancouver. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe there's something, it, you know, there's a lot here. This is, like I said, I, I'm not going to f- really know the answer to this uh, by the end of the, the time we start talking, but maybe by the time it comes out, I'll have got some clarity from it. But what do you think about that? Well, Vancouver is a place where displacement is happening right now. Uh, I mean, most of my musicians, musician friends are in very precarious housing situations where, and these people are not the worst off of everybody in Vancouver, but, you know, musicians don't tend to make a lot of money and they, they're having trouble uh, because every time they find a house to live in or whatever, six months later, the owner flips it for a profit and kicks them out. And they're, people are moving like, you know, three, four times in like a two or three year period. Yeah. And, and they're moving out, they're leaving the city in droves. So, uh, you're, you, as a musician and a, an arts worker, you'd be just as, uh, as likely to be displaced as anybody else here. And that's not just Vancouver. That's I mean, Seattle is experiencing sure. that. San Francisco already experienced yeah. that. People in my just, friend, yeah, because there's just been no social subsidized housing built in the big cities of North America in the last thirty years to speak of, and and it's had this effect of putting, making everything part of the market. And now, now every place to live is like a casino chip more than like a place to live. You know, right. So you you would be just as as bad off here except that you'd have free health care i'd have free health care and i and, and to be honest like i i that's what that's one of this these weird things of like uh and uh, we'll we'll need to wrap this up and get on to our next guest in a, in a minute but part of what comes with that arrogance of obscurity and being living a life that's devoted to synchronicity while I have been, uh, I have found myself wanting for the kind of audiences or the kind of attention or the kind of success that I might want for my projects, for the most part in my life, and I've had some times when I was got pretty close to the bone, but I've usually f- found what I needed 
to finish the projects that I needed to finish, to feed myself, to house myself. Um, and so there's a way of feeling incredibly lucky and also feeling like there is something. And maybe, again, this is that arrogance. I do feel like by staying firmly committed to the honesty of the work, the universe, the world, the universe rewards. And at the same time, I hear myself saying that and think, oh, well, yeah, if you're a privileged white guy, the universe rewards you. And if you're a refugee and ice comes knocking at the door, you know, it's a lot harder to take that opinion. But I do have the, I guess I speak, I'm speaking to the artists, like when you talk about the artists of Vancouver or the artists of Seattle or San Francisco or Los Angeles, the artist's life is a precarious life full of these synchronistic uh, benefits that are only that only come to you by putting yourself on that path. And it might be finding a great collaborator like Paul Rigby to work with you, or I have... I'm able to do this show because there is one person in particular who has been incredibly supportive of this. And that comes because she recognizes the value of the work. And so I'm able to do it. And other people have a friend who is in a band so they can go on. the like the, Somehow the universe finds its way to draw the stuff that we're doing through the cracks of the impossibility of doing it. Well, I think that... Uh what you said earlier about a process of being humbled uh, as time goes on in, in a musician or a songwriter's career really spoke to me uh, in the idea that you get, you certainly get into this business or we did, I think, and many people do for the fantasy of the Rolling Stone profile of the glamorous rock star and their, and their, you know, groupies and their, five-star hotel rooms and their tour buses and stuff like that and their beach houses in Malibu. But like in both of our cases, uh, we've actually found a place to be part of the culture by, by instead saying, uh, I'd, I'd like to be part of a tradition. I'd like to be a part of the, of yeah. the long story of uh, bottom up, songwriting rather than top-down uh, corporate culture, you know? And in my case, I've really gotten more into Jewish folk music and, and klezmer music in, an, and in the hope that, like, one of the hundred songs I write might be played after I'm dead, you know? That I, keep, I just keep throwing darts at that board, and one of them might get to be part of the, of the larger tradition and... And by doing this project that you're doing now, you're like so deeply, you know, you're so widely touching so many songwriters and amplifying their voices that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're swimming in the river of song. Yeah. And, and like, this is that humbling process has like, by, by, instead of asking to be on top, asking to be part of the river of song that's a place where you can be whoever you are you can be accommodated thanks for listening to radio eight ball 
If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show! There's a Cartesian shack Where I go to unwind out back And the fumes in the shack are so thick That at first I start feeling sick But then the nausea dissipates Suddenly feeling great in my Cartesian shack Cartesian shack Cartesian shack Oh yeah Cartesian shack Oh yeah Cartesian shack First I see her, then she sees me, and she offers me some cheese. I say no thank you, I'm a vegan, and she gets down on her knees, and worships me till I... Gone further, slumped here at the bar. I could have bid your fucking furor, but I'm the superstar of my private controversy now. You know the score 
Yeah. 